the ultimate pro basketball preview, presented by Odyssey and Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. This six-episode series will answer all of your lingering questions about the NBA season. Each episode, we will feature a Locked On roundtable with local experts covering their team every day. Nothing But Bets, our betting segment with Matt Moore talking about the best bets for each of these teams. NBA expert Trista Crick will join us from the Heat Check Podcast Fantasy expert Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball will join us as well. And then the voice of NBA draft analysis and Lockdown NBA Big Board host Rafael Barlow will tell you the players that your team is probably tanking for this year. I'm your host, Nick Engstead, daily host of the Lockdown NBA and Lockdown Mavs. But for this series, I will be your host as we visit with over 30 different experts to get you ready for the NBA season ahead. Today, it's time for the tankers. Bring them on. Orlando Magic, San Antonio Spurs, Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets, and the Utah Jazz? Yes? No? You'll you'll hear very different answers throughout this one. Here's Trista Crick of Odyssey's Heat Check Podcast on whether or not tanking still works in the NBA and if there's a path out for any of these teams. Yeah, I think tanking absolutely still works and it's still going to continue to persist, right? The lottery system changes it. Of course, it makes it a little bit harder to just blatantly tank and get the guy that you want. But as long as there are these perennial or sort of like transcendent generational talents out there, which they will exist, Victor Wambanyama being one of them, Scoot Henderson being one of them, like if you can get him and you're not contending, then what are you doing with your life if not tanking, right? (laughs) Like that's the only option. You're either contending or you're tanking. And it's very difficult to be one of those in-between teams. As a Portland Trailblazer fan, I know how that feels. It feels like going absolutely nowhere, right? The team that gets Victor Wambanyama is going to change their franchise for 15 years, right? If he works out to be who we think he is going to be, that's going to, that's enough of a reward to take the risk of sort of destroying your franchise for the short term, right? And then in terms of like what the path out is, There really isn't one, right? Like, as long as Victor's on the board, there's no path out. Especially for teams like Utah. Utah's stacking up picks into perpetuity. Just like Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, that's Sam Presti's mindset. It's like, I'll take picks till 2099 until my son's son is running this team, right? And Oklahoma City Thunder, only the only real, I guess, group that could potentially be out of the tanking conversation this year... But again, like if you could imagine a scenario with Victor Wambanyama and Chet on it, I don't even know how you could guard them. The reward, again, is still enough to take the risk, especially considering Shea seems very committed to being on this team. He's not going to ask out. Josh Giddy's still very young. You're shutting Chet down for the year. You've got some other young guns in the two Jalens, right? You don't know what they are going to be, but... I think they're the only group you could say is very close to being a play-in team, but they can always decide to tank at the very last minute like they did last year. And that's proven to be very successful, fruitful, and and sort of flexible for, for Oklahoma City. So I, I don't see a path out for really any of them. Welcome into the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview. This is the Locked On Roundtable. We're joined by hosts of Locked On shows covering their team every single day, five days a week on their own individual channels. Joining us from Oklahoma City, we have... Ryland Stiles, host of Locked On Thunder. Joining us from Wet and Wild Orlando. Philip Rossman-Reich, the host of Locked On Magic. 
Down in Houston, we have... Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked On Rockets. And all the way out in Utah, the only host that protested being part of this group we're calling the Tankers, in quotes. David Locke, host of Locked On Jazz, with a roster that as currently constructed would make the play-in game. The playing game in the West. We all believe that in, in October, man. We all believe that in October. There are 30 championship teams right now, <laughs> Rockets included, surprisingly. When it, I mean, we're fresh out 29. of media day, so of course. Everyone can talk themselves into a team on media day. But let's start with this, everybody. So we're here in this group we're calling the Tankers. We'll put it in quotes for David. Uh, it's just the bottom of the, the NBA. And we know that Victor Wembanyama is the you number one. You think Tony East is looking host of Locked On Pacers is looking at his Snapchat location, seeing all of us in the same place and feeling like he's left out like a teenage girl <laughs> who didn't get invited to the party. I think I think we need to call out uh, Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs for ducking us for which says his team <laughs> is a tanking for the first time in 25 years. Yeah, he's, he's, he's still in denial about it. OK, like he hasn't embraced the tank quite just yet, like one of our other uh, co co-workers here in this in this uh Show, I will say. And Ku over at the Locked On Pistons uh, believes they've they've progressed out of this with the Boyan Bogdanovich trade. Potentially, maybe just the Cade Cunningham it's a, rise. It's a wedding at least, gift. At least if you have Cade Cunningham and Tyrese Halliburton, you're you're moving forward in some direction. But uh, let's start with this: Is tanking still a viable method, or is that even what your team is is trying to do right now? Ryland Styles, we can we can start with you, uh, host of Locked On Thunder. Are the Thunder still tanking? Is that where we still are? And does it work? Yeah, so number one, number one, the Thunder are still tanking. And, and as you mentioned before, tanking really only happens like after the All-Star break. So that's kind of when you're going to see it happen. Obviously, things got derailed a bit with Chet Holmgren going down. Their number two overall pick from the 2022 draft class uh, was supposed to help them kind of inch out of this phase, but he's out for the whole season. So yeah, they're still going to be at the bottom of the barrel in the Western Conference. Let's see how many teams they can finish ahead of, but it will by no means be a play-in opportunity for the Thunder. But does tanking work? I think it's an absolute yes, especially in the circumstances that Oklahoma City finds themselves in. The Thunder have already done this. They've drafted at the top of the draft three straight times. They got Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. And even with that core, they never could even sign a competent role player to help build that championship roster out. So they can't get free just at the top of the bottom of their roster. And when you look at the draft, it's only getting deeper with talent as the NBA uh, gets more popular in basketball as a whole, gets global and more popular. The, the, the drafts are deeper. Haven't even included high school prospects back into the mix yet, which might happen uh, sometime in the future with the new CBA. The drafts are getting deeper. There's more talent than ever in, in basketball right now, even before we expand the league. I think that it works whenever you look at it through that lens of the talent pool getting bigger. And in small markets, it's your only path to getting a generational talent or to getting an all-star, much less a superstar. Plus, one of the biggest examples of failure is the Philadelphia 76ers because they haven't won anything yet. But you draft a different guy than Markel Fultz. You know, you draft Jason Tatum and you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum. That, that team's going to win a championship and it might be a dynasty uh, in the making in Philadelphia. So you look at it with the Thunder. You have all these future first round picks, historic uh, draft capital, and you have a, a, a top five, I argue, number one GM in the sport in Sam Presti to make that decision, who's already instilled the winning culture and has such a great culture that it's talked about by former players over time. And also, it's just proven to be a really good culture in winning. Uh, there's only been two years of tanking for the Thunder since moving to OKC. So I, I think that Number this one GM of all time who traded James Harden instead of Russell Westbrook. Okay, go ahead. He's been talking to Nick Collison, I think, a little bit too much is what Ryan Stiles has probably been doing. Uh, David Locke, you're the one host that didn't want to be in this group. You don't think that this the Jazz are tanking. You don't think that that's what 
that Danny Ainge and you know the Jazz are trying to do. You think that they can be a playing team? Sell us on it, because I'm not sold. So I mean, I think let's let's discuss the first question that I think Ryland actually addressed some of the, the points here. And Philip might have a different perspective, considering the fact that Orlando has been doing what they're doing for a decade and summoned Matt George of Locked On Kings, so we can have 30 years <laughs> of what the Kings are doing. I think that what the Philadelphia 76ers did was tank 1.0. And what we've seen the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets begin to do is what I would call tank 2.0. And I think if the Utah Jazz are doing this, this is the next variation. And so here are the things. What Philadelphia did is they went to rock bottom and they just drafted. That was it. What Oklahoma City and Houston did is they traded a star, acquired a ton of picks, and lost games, so they have their own picks and the acquired picks. What Danny Ainge did in the offseason, and this is why everyone assumes the Jazz are tanking, I'm just saying as the roster is constructed, I was at practice today, as the roster is constructed right now, this team's not tanking. Like, that's that's too good a team. Now, whether that's what that team is at the end, I'm not sure. But what the Jazz have done is, let's say they now drop into where they're acquiring their own draft talent, then in 2027 and 2028 and 2029, they have other people's picks. So as they move forward, then they're going to have a chance to draft great draft picks and get better to the Ryland Styles point that the problem the Thunder had is they couldn't acquire, once they got good, they had no mechanism by which to acquire talent. It's the same thing that happened to Philadelphia is once they got good enough to get out of their draft picks, they had no system by which to get new talent. So what, Danny Ainge is set up is a elongated play here into 2027, 2028, and 2029, where if the Jazz at that point have enough talent to win 45 games, they're also going to be drafting whoever Cleveland and Minnesota's picks would yield. And Cleveland and Minnesota, by the way, are not free agent destinations. I don't know if you know that, but nobody wants to go to Cleveland or Minnesota. So if something goes wrong for either of those teams, the Jazz are in a pretty good position. Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets uh, is. Do you do you buy that? That's what they're trying to do. Are they doing a tank 2.0 down in Houston still, or is it something different now that they've drafted for a couple years here? I don't know if you can necessarily call. I, I maybe that distinction works. The the tank 2.0. I do think there is something to be said for right. You you you've had organizations before who have had you know a star player who wants out or their marquee player wants out. And organizations try to keep grasping at straws, right, to stay relevant. And that was that was very much something that was on the table for the Houston Rockets less than two calendar years ago, thanks to the uh, late start NBA season a couple seasons back due to COVID and everything. James Harden was a Houston Rocket less than two seasons ago, less than two years ago, I should say. And when the Rockets were forced to ultimately deal James Harden after he wanted out from Houston, he threw his fit, he was done with the Houston Rockets franchise and wanted to be a Brooklyn Net. The Rockets dealt him and they had this core of John Wall and Victor Oladipo and Christian Wood and they could have stuck, you know, dug their heels into the ground and stuck with that. And they could have said, yo, we're going to we're going to fight and claw and be scrappy and try to be this like ragtag play in team who's like an eighth or ninth seed at best in the Western Conference. And that would have been horrendous because the one place you don't want to be in the NBA is you do not want to be in NBA limbo, which to me is the teams that are very much stuck in like that. I don't know. 15 to like 22 range where you're pretty much play inbound or you're, you know, a lock to just miss the play in. And in the Rockets case, they didn't even own their own draft pick outright. It was that year owed to the Oklahoma City Thunder if it fell outside of the top four of that year's draft. And so they did what Rylan Styles alluded to earlier, right? Tanking in the back half of the season. They bottomed out. 
They they played horrendous basketball. They shut down certain players, and they managed to bottom out and be the worst team in the association that year and retain control of their draft pick. So from that standpoint, I think the Rockets did the best thing you could possibly do when you have a star player ask out is they reap the benefits of a nice little draft haul from the Brooklyn Nets, effectively owning the Brooklyn Nets draft capital all the way through 2027. And then they recouped, they they held onto that draft pick that year, drafted a young franchise cornerstone type talent in Jalen Green, and they basically did the exact same thing again this past season when they did have outright control of their pick, landing at the third overall selection and drafting Jabari Smith Jr., who looks to be a, a fantastic prospect. So I think when you look at the NBA, right, you're building a team, there are three ways to do it. You can do it via trade, you can do it free, via free agency, or you can do it via the draft. And it does feel like the draft is possibly the most surefire way to get it done because you can't really rely unless you are one of the big marquee free agent destinations. You can't really rely on free agency. There's a lot of teams that miss out on big free agents every single off season. And then trading, you know, you got to put yourself in position to be able to make a trade. And a lot of the teams here in this, in this tankers group are in position to pounce the next time there is a disgruntled star who wants out from their location, the Jazz. Then why, oh, it, then why Orlando, did you not try to go get Donovan Mitchell? You know, there I, was I, not a team that I thought should have made more a bigger deal for Donovan Mitchell than the Orlando Magic. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think, I think to all the points that are being made here, you know, that's that's absolutely right. It, it's about being in position to 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 go make that big move. And David, you're absolutely right. I thought the Orlando Magic were in a good position to go get Donovan Mitchell, but I think the one part of the puzzle that's been missing throughout this whole conversation. You know, we, we talk about kind of the mechanics of why teams decide to bottom out, how teams position themselves for the future. The last part that's missing is, is the culture part. You know, Ryland talked a little bit about it, but you know, being here in Orlando, we, you know, the, the way teams rebuilt or the, the kind of mode that teams rebuilt uh, when the magic traded Dwight Howard 10 years ago was go get, you know, Go get some nice young players, get a few draft picks, bottom out and use your own picks to, to get good. And the Magic's plan was very much similar to what Oklahoma City's plan was and how they built the Durant-Westbrook-Harden group. In fact, I think the Magic even had the same picks, two, two, three, two four, and five um, that got that got Durant, Harden, and Westbrook, um, but they ended up with uh, Victor Oladipo, Aaron Gordon, and Mario Hazonia. A little bit, di- little bit different. Uh, and that's why I, I don't, I, I think tanking, <laughs> I think t- like tanking to me, just going all out in hopes of getting uh, the number one pick, even if it ends up getting, being the fourth, fifth, fourth or fifth pick. It, to me, I have never been a proponent of tanking. And, and I'll get back to the Donovan Mitchell thing here in a minute. Um, I've never been a proponent of tanking because, A, it didn't work in Orlando because you still have to end up drafting the, be- the best players. You know, David can, David can tell you, Donovan Mitchell should not have been the, what, 15th pick in that draft. Um, there are always good players throughout the draft. Giannis was picked, you know, Giannis is a special talent, obviously, but Giannis was picked 15th. Um, my favorite little stat nugget that I love throwing at, at, at fans who are just like, oh, we got to take, we got to take, we got to take, is there have only been three players that have been drafted first overall that won the championship with the team that drafted them since 1997. That's Tim Duncan in 1997, obviously just a very special person. We miss you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Garcia of Lockdowns first. Um, and the other two are Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, who left and came back to Cleveland. Those, sorry, those, that was my mic. Um, those are the only. <laughs> literally dropped his mic on that. Literally story. dropped my mic on that one. Um, 
That was uh, that there are literally only three players drafted number one overall since 1997 that have won a title with the team that originally drafted them. There's a lot of number one picks that have won titles. You know, obviously LeBron's won titles different places. Anthony Davis won a title in Los Angeles. Um, but to me, it can't just be about the number one overall pick. It's got to be about the whole team. And so get circling all the way back around to, to my original point that I want to make here. It's got to be about the culture and building a culture of winning and building a culture that is focused on, on winning and doing the right things. And so Can David, really buy your, this? D- no, so, so David, to your point, I know Philip really does. Here's what I don't no, no. buy. <laughs> like, like, you know what culture is winning <laughs> Giannis. Yeah. So, like, but so, so, so David, like to, to Luca that, might be culture in that, Dallas, to, like to that, to that Steph point Curry's then. culture. Exactly. But to, but to that point, then this magic roster is just so young and so inexperienced and, and hasn't really done anything. I had, I always had the feeling that you bring in a guy like Don Mitchell, who he immediately raises the bar. Like he, he would be a culture setter for this team, but is the, is that magic team, this current roster ready to do their part to lift him up. And the minute you make that trade, the minute you make that star trade, your clock is ticking. You have Don Mitchell is what four years left on his deal. You have four years to be a championship contender, not just a good team, a championship contender, uh, or you're going to lose him. And you're going to and all those draft assets. We saw how much it costs to, to to be in business with the Jazz this this off season. You lose all that all that all that future capital. Um, and if your your team's not ready, your team then you're gonna you're gonna fall flat on your face. So you might it might be a fun four years. But then you go back through the ringer again. To me, the Magic are maybe a year or two away from doing that. But you're right, absolutely right. They are a team that's, that would have been absolutely in the right position to make that kind of a move. And, and I think all of our teams would say that's the kind of move that our teams want to make when they're ready. And so it's about kind of build, building that talent base up to get yourself there. And, and so I, I, to me, you know, maybe I'm just a little too conservative on that. To me, the Magic weren't quite ready to, to, to do that. And, and, you know, Jeff Weltman, the Magic's president of basketball operations, the guy who's in charge of um, putting the team together, has said, you know, we're not looking to cut corners here. We're not looking to skip steps. They're, they believe in the group they have. They want to kind of build a little bit with the group they have, see what they really have, and then, and then go out and make that next step. Because if there's one truth about the NBA, and I've had, I had a lot of Magic fans say, this is the guy that's on our timeline. He's cost-controlled for a long time. If there's one truth about the NBA – there's always another star that wants out. That's, that's the reality of the league. And, and, you know, Cleveland was in a great, you know, Cleveland was ready to take that step. And I think, I think they made the right move to go after Donovan Mitchell and turn their play in team into a really to a potential contender in the Eastern conference. And how do you plan on getting your roster ready? If not to tank with the way the NBA is currently constructed, because the thunder don't have to tank. They could play out this whole season as healthy as they can get and get the seventh pick or eighth pick. Last year, that got you A.J. Griffin. So I asked you, would you rather have A.J. Griffin or would you rather have Paula Carroll right now? How else can you get your roster ready to turn the corner and make that big trade, make that all-in move? If you're not getting that high-end talent through the draft, where else can you get it in Orlando or Oklahoma City? No, I, and, I, and I agree completely. Like, I, I, like, I've told a lot of fans, like, I'm not for tanking. I'm not for – like, I guess there's a difference between tanking and just being a bad young team. Like, the, like I always told people, like, look – the Magic don't need help being bad. They're a bad team. They're young. <laughs> they're going to lose a lot of games. You hope that they're learning. You hope that they're growing. You hope that they're in a, an environment that's going to teach them what's important down the road. But to me, doing things purposefully to, to lose games or, or, or sabotaging the team itself, 
that's not going to help your team grow. And that's not, that's ultimately not going to help your team kind of take that next step. I mean, again, you look at this magic, this magic franchise in particular, they traded Dwight Howard in 2012. They, they essentially tanked for two years to position themselves for that. What was it? Jaleel Okafor, Joel Embiid, uh, Andrew Wiggins draft. They wanted a top three pick. Every single year, they ended up one pick away from getting that franchise guy. And it was total despondence in, in, in the franchise. They ended up picking some nice players. Aaron Gordon's a rotation player on a championship contender in De- Denver. Um, you know, Nikola Vucevic became an all-star guy that they got in the Dwight Howard trade. Victor Oladipo, before his injuries, was an all-star player in Indiana, was a, was a great supporting player in Oklahoma City uh, for that for that one year. Although they got plenty of talented players, that they always picked the wrong guy. They always did. They never picked the guy that could really elevate their team. And yes, it's easier to get that at the top of the draft, but I think it's also pretty clear that you can find that throughout the draft. And if you have a good development culture, if you have a good culture um, that does focus on the right things, especially a good coach, I think that's really where the NBA has changed a lot. There are a lot more good coaches and teams are making smarter coaching hires. If you have a good coach that can foster the, the right energy, then you take that next step. What it feels like is there's just a, a lot of it boils down to timing and luck it, it, to a certain degree, because if you hit, right, maybe you hit one year and you've got that one really solid player, right? Maybe not, maybe they're not a, you know, a tier one superstar like a Luca or a Giannis or whoever, but they're all-star caliber. They're solid and they, they raise the floor of a team to a certain degree. But if you miss on some of the other picks, then you're kind of, you inadvertently find yourself in that limbo period where now you've got a player who's raising the floor of a team to a certain degree to where they're going to stack up some wins just by nature of them being just good enough to drag a team to some extra wins here and there. And then you miss out on your window to be bad enough to secure some of those top five picks and really have a chance at some of the top tier talent of the draft and maybe the you know, the, the Thunder may be, you know, in this position a little bit, right? Shea Gildas, Gildas Alexander is the best player on any of the teams currently listed here in the Tankers group. And just by virtue of being SGA, he may drag the Thunder to some extra wins. And there's a reason that he gets shut down with some of the season left to go because the Thunder don't want those extra wins at this point. Because if they were to get those extra wins, then they wouldn't have the number two overall pick in Chet Holmgren on their roster currently. They would have been drafting, you know, around six or seven or eight. And at that point, you miss that finite window, that two to three year window where you can realistically be one of the worst, one of the bottom five teams in the league and have a legitimate shot at accruing that top-end talent at the top of the draft. And then, once you've been bad for a couple years, once you've been bad for a handful of seasons, and really been bad, like full full force been bad, then you can start taking the steps to trying to improve. Maybe you're looking at signing a big free agent. Maybe you make a splash and you trade for that disgruntled star as that young core is kind of coalescing and growing and becoming ready to actually compete at, at the NBA level. Coming up, let's get into what the path is for these teams to get out of the bottom five or out of the tankers. Some may not think that they're in the tankers group, but what's your path out of the bottom five and then players to watch for from every single one of our Locked On hosts. Coming up, Rafael Barlow's missing piece. Who are the players these teams will be tanking for in next year's NBA draft? He's seen them all. The leading voice in NBA draft analysis is here to break down all of them. 2023 NBA draft class is loaded with talent and I expect to see a lot of teams competing for the worst record to have an opportunity to select Francis Victor Wimbayama. Why? Because he is a seven foot five shot blocking three point prodigy that LeBron James has labeled an alien. 
Now, Scoot Henderson from the G League Ignite is not a bad constellation prize for the team that will be picking second. He's the epitome of your modern NBA guard with the perfect blend of size, strength, athleticism, scoring, and playmaking. Now, Orlando, San Antonio, and Oklahoma City are expected to be near the bottom of the standings, and I am anticipating some of the most creative tanking lineups in recent memory, which will help increase the ping pong balls on lottery night. Now let's start with San Antonio. The Spurs are actually my pick to finish with the absolute worst record in the NBA, giving them a great chance of landing Victor Wimbayama, who would be the ultimate prize and give the Spurs fans hope that their days in the lottery, which is something that they're not used to, but give them hope that their days in the lottery are over after being a championship contender for what seemed like 25 years. The Spurs traded DeJounte Murray this offseason, so there is a need at point guard should R.C. Buford decide to shock the world and choose Scoot over Victor with the top pick. But that is if San Antonio wins the lottery. Orlando won last year's lottery and selected Duke's Paolo Bancaro with the top pick. Bancaro is my choice to win Rookie of the Year. But the Magic have a lot of young talent, but are still expected to have a very long season, which I'm guessing is going to be around 50 losses. And no matter who Orlando selects, there will be overlapping skill sets. They even have a poor man's Victor Wimbayama in Bowl Bowl. However, Baylor's Keontae George would be a good option if Orlando falls outside of the top five. He's a sweet shooting combo guard that will provide scoring punch and floor spacing for Bancaro and Franz Wagner. But he'd be in a log jam at guard with Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and Markel Fultz. I mean, Orlando just has so many guys that play the same position, so many overlapping skill sets. Now, as far as the Houston Rockets, their fans have to be absolutely thrilled with their rebuild so far. Jalen Green looks to have superstar potential, and Alperin Shingun show flashes as a rookie. Enough flashes that some people have compared him to Nikola Jokic. Then there's Jabari Smith and Tari Eason from the 2022 NBA Draft class, and they have impressed. Even though it's a small sample size, they have been impressive in summer league and in preseason games. Now, if you add Wimbayama or Scoot, you add that to that mix, and that will immediately make Houston Rockets a league pass favorite and a fan favorite. But Amin Thompson from Overtime Elite could be a good fit and pairing next to Jalen Green. They would be exciting and potentially the most athletic backcourt ever. Villanova's Cam Whitmore would be a little bit redundant with Easton and Smith, but he would be in their projected draft range. But depending on Houston's plans for Kevin Porter Jr., I think Arkansas's Nick Smith would be the ideal fit if Houston falls outside of the top two. Thank you for being here for another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Lockdown Podcast Network. Before we continue with our roundtable discussion, here's Odyssey's Trista Crick of the Heat Check Podcast on which of these players from tanking teams you should be paying attention to. To me, in this group, it's not close. And you could say, oh, you know, it's Paolo, right? And Paolo's, Paolo's the easy answer, let's be honest. Like, if you've never seen Paolo in person, which I'm sure all of, of you folks on the roundtable have, but it's like he was magnified 1.8 size the, times the size of a normal human being, right? He's not like a stretched out Victor Wambanyama. He's, of course, uh, a talent that's someone you have to watch. 
But someone that's under the radar for me has got to be Josh Giddy. Just a kid who's absolutely dazzled. He got shut down due to tanking, of course. I believe it was a hip injury. But he's a star. Like, he's got court vision that's impossible to replicate. He's a really elite scorer. He's working on his jump shot now from deep with the San Antonio shot doctor, which I think could really help him and SGA. Now that Chet is out, I think all eyes are going to be on him to have the ball. I think Giddy's going to have a much larger role now that we know what he can do. And and before he got injured from November till February, he was the Western Rookie of the Month every single month. What's he going to do in year two? You saw what he did in the summer league. He's ready to absolutely ball. He's my number one player out of this group to watch and keep my eyes peeled on. All right, welcome back to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022, the Locked On NBA Roundtable. Hosts from Locked On NBA shows covering their teams five days a week on their own individual channels on YouTube and on the podcast. Let's talk about the path out. What's the path out of the basement, out of the tanking, out of the rebuilding, the tanking 2.0, the what's the path out? Let's start with uh, Jackson Gatlin. What do you think the Rockets' path is out of this whole situation? Well, the Rockets find themselves in a position where they only have control of their own draft capital for one more season. It's this year. So as far as timelines are concerned, they can be bad for one more season and have a legitimate shot at picking up another top-end talent in this year's NBA draft. Maybe it's the crown jewel in Victor Wembanyama at the very, very top of the draft. Maybe it's Scoot Henderson. Who knows? But after this season, they no longer own their own draft capital. It's all unfortunately sitting with Ryland Stiles over there, host of Locked on Thunder and GM Sam Presti for that organization. So because of that, they kind of, that's when their clock starts ticking. That's when they want to start being good again because they have zero incentive to be bad. So if you're a Houston Rockets fan, you're looking at this offseason as being the offseason when you want to see the Rockets start making some moves and kind of digging their way out of the basement, if you will. I guess you're not going to dig your way out of the basement. Climbing up out of the basement, taking the <laughs> stairs up to the first floor, hopefully, maybe. But Climb into the down into the crevasse, Jackson. <laughs> but that, that's, that's the timeline for the Rockets. And the way you do that is you have smart, you make smart financial decisions as a team. You clear your cap book. You have a lot of young, attractive talent on the team that you hope starts taking some steps forward and showcasing some of that talent to be kind of attractive around the league where you're like, oh, well, Jalen Green, the young budding superstar in Houston, looks really good. I wonder what it would be like to maybe go team up with him in Houston. That's how you maybe attract a, a marquee free agent. You can only do that, though, if you have the salary cap room to be able to play with. And the Rockets are poised to have enough salary cap opening uh, this next offseason to have two max contract slots this next summer. How many summer. players do you think you have right now that are legit pieces? Legit years pieces? In. How many legit, legit pieces. pieces do you think you have? Legit pieces in Houston, two years in, three. There are three legitimate pieces in Houston. It's Jalen Green, who is a, at least further down the line, he's going to be at, at some point going to lead the NBA in scoring for sure. So there's Jalen Green. Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be a transformational piece for this Houston Rockets team. He is going to be a transcendent NBA defender competing for DPOI awards year in, year out, further down the line in his career. And then lastly, this is the sleeper pick, Tari Eason, who was just drafted 17th overall. He is going to be the future starting small forward for this Houston Rockets team. He's probably going to be brought along a little bit more slowly during his rookie campaign. But those are three bona fide guaranteed pieces who will be here the next time the Houston Rockets are competitive. You didn't, you didn't count Sangoon in that? I did not. Interesting. Interesting. David Locke, what's Island the... Styles, how many pieces do you have? Yeah, that's a good question. I oh, think so we're that... just going around the table now. I like it. I, well, like I want to know. I think I mean, I, I'm new to the party. You know, 
I, I got to learn how this works, supposedly. So the, the Rockets are two years in. They have three pieces, one of which has played an NBA game. Ryland Styles, you have are three years in. How many pieces do you have? Two, two years in. They played to the Rockets in the playoffs, though, whenever the Rockets were in the bubble. But that always gets forgotten because they made the Paul George trade before that. Anyway, uh, Josh Giddy, SGA, Chet Holmgren, I think, are three bona fide pieces. Personally, I'm counting Jalen Williams as a piece, the, the Santa Clara Jalen Williams that they drafted in the lottery this year. I think he's a really good NBA player. And if you define a sixth man as a piece, I think that Trey Mann's a, a nice sixth man uh, scoring guard. So you, you, if you count him, go up that total. But if not, I understand. So I, just I would the, count. Just interest on like the dirty little secret that nobody wants to talk about about Josh Giddy. He shot 26% from three last year. The Thunder also hired Chip England, the best shooting coach in the league. Oh, they better have because the amount of players that have shot 28% or less from three in the NBA as a guard that ever shot ever again in the league is like zero. Hey, like guys that in the probably, early stage of their career, <laughs> Justice Winslow, Larry Hughes, Rajon Rondo, Alfred Payton, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, Rodney Stuckey, Marcus Smart, Josh Okogie, Jason Kidd did it when he was 21. DeMar DeRozan when he was Josh 22. 21. I'm hearing that's some all-stars on this list. There's some good players on that list. There's some good players. No, I'm not saying you can't be a good player. But Hold on, David, you, David. You don't learn how to – you don't shoot 26% and become a shooter. Jason Kidd did on your example. <laughs> and he didn't have the best – and he didn't have the best shooting coach in the league. Jason Kidd did like 17 years later. Look, and, if, and if, they, Chip yeah. can, if Chip can transform Kawhi into the shooter that he is now in his career, why can't he do the same to Josh Giddy? And Josh Giddy's an elite playmaker at the age of 19. A, a, a no, jo hey, Josh Giddy's terrific. I, I, the 26% from three is a problem. Oh, right, right. But, you know, the, the, the Thunder are taking a step to try to correct that. That's really all he can do at this point right now, just Fair to enough. see if it, can, if it can be corrected. Okay. I mean, I just think okay. it's a big, like, it's a, like, it's a big deal that either you're I mean, Josh Giddy at this point has to be your primary ball handler because his spacing's a problem as a guard. Right. And Shea played off ball whenever the team had actual success. Yeah. No, I think Shea's and I think Shea's terrific. All right. No, I just how many what Philip, what do you got? Yes, yeah. To, to David's larger point, I mean, I think that's that's something that all the teams in this group, you know, have to kind of think about is like what it, who are the guys that are actually going to be there when the team's successful? Because, you know, obviously like Orlando was a 22-win team last year. They they did end up bringing everyone back this season, but you don't, you know, it's very, very it would be very, very weird and very, very odd and very, very rare and miraculous if this whole team intact makes the playoffs, wins a championship, you know, the way it is. This isn't college. It's not how this works. Um, and so, yes, you know, you do have to kind of pinpoint two or three players. I think Orlando has three guys that will probably be part of this team when they are competitive again. They are Paolo Bancaro, obviously the number one pick in the draft. Franz Wagner, who everyone seems to have forgotten, was all rookie first team last year. Sorry, Ryland. Um, and deserved it. Also, sorry, Ryland. Um, not that Josh Giddy's bad. I love Josh Giddy, but Franz Wagner was very, very good. Uh, had a really good Eurobasket, uh, and, and, and we're all very excited about him. Um, and then I'd put Wendell Carter in that group as well. Um, he's just a really solid defensive center. I, I, I think there are maybe some questions whether he can be a championship level center, um, but for his age and for and his skill level, he he finally figured some things out after a rough time in Chicago. I am leaving Jalen Suggs out. Um, he would be, I think he would be part of your group there, David. He shot, I think, 28, 29% from deep from three last year, was really, really rough. And that's why he's 
no longer part of the core and is probably seen as more of a defensive specialist in Orlando now. Except 36% from the field and 21% yeah. from three. There's How no, many pieces do you think you have, David? Uh, probably zero. Well, yeah, probably zero. But I don't, I'm not sure we're underway yet. Uh, Mar- it depends what you think of Larry Markkinen. Like, I think they might be doing it with a little bit older players. Sexton. And Larry Markkinen is a rotation NBA player who I think very easily could be part of whatever your future is. Um, call, you know, the Jazz are just at an interesting stage, depending what where they are with this, because they're probably two or three moves away from being bad enough to go get really good draft picks. On the other end, they do have like this collection of players that are 24 years old or younger. So who've actually scored in the, you know, who've actually more so than the group that you've talked about have warts that are NBA established warts. So Colin Sexton has some warts left over Larry Marcus, but they also are, are, have played like have actually played Sexton's a top 10 pick. Markkinen's a top 10 pick. Um, and so you have some pieces there. We'll see whether Abaji, who was what, the 14th pick of the draft, can play. Um, early reports of all crazy things on Walker Kessler is that the block shot numbers of college are actually legitimate to the NBA, surprisingly. So, so we'll so see David, whether or not that turns into something. So, David, I mean, I, I think I think this is this is the interesting perspective that I think this this that you bring to this group. Kind of something that I surmise might happen uh, if this this season because this season seems like it has a really good draft class. You know, we talked Victor Wembanyama, we talked Scoot Henderson. I don't think like Houston, Oklahoma City, Orlando. Like we we're all a couple years into a rebuild. They're they'll they'll be bad because they're a bad team. I think the team that's going to probably end up having the worst record in the league or, or or be the team that you know out and out tanks or does what people think is tanking is a team that thinks today that they are a for sure play in team, but gets off to a bad start and, or gets off to gets to like the midpoint of the season or gets to January and they're not where they want to be. And they decide then to pack it in. You mean when Portland trades Damian Lillard for Russell? Yeah. It's something, something like that to you, David, what (laughs) is that point of pain for the jazz? At what point does you, what at what point do you get to look at these the, again these ve- kind of young veteran players that could put Utah in a playing position but at what point do, do you look at them and say this isn't it we we need to turn face and and sink to the bottom yeah I, you know I really don't know um and and I'll I'll be honest I, on the jazz end of things like it's kind of a joke amongst us like the national media has said we're tanking okay like I'll buy it I, I'm not actually I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. What I do know is that Minnesota made such an incredible offer for Rudy Gobert that you had no choice but to say yes. And then I think there was a chance that the Jazz went to Donovan Mitchell and said, hey, we're going to build around you. And he went, eh, like, oh, okay, I mean, we'll see. And they went, oh, wait a sec. Well, we can't really build around you unless we know you're going to stick around. And then there is this whole complication with the how hard it is to give out an extension right now. Um and they made another move. And so I, I, I'm not entirely sure that this is a, a Danny Ainge eight moves ahead of everybody else playing chess master plan right now. But moreover, it might just be something that's kind of developed and we'll see what happens. My point on asking everybody this question is back to our first question. This is so hard. That was my point. Like not trying to criticize where anybody is. It's so hard. Houston's two years in and like, 
Jackson might be 100% right, but like two of the guys you mentioned haven't played a minute. It, and at this also, point last year, we would have thought Jalen Suggs was one of those guys, and he bombed. Rylan, to your point, you mentioned Chad Holmgren. He hasn't played, and we, if there's one concern on Chad Holmgren is that he's fragile, and that's not a great sign to start. And Josh Giddy, who I think is a fabulously beautiful basketball player, has a major like issue, but we don't know those about these other guys yet. And that I'm by the way, I'm taking Orlando out of this group. Like I want Banchero and Franz Wagner on my group. And I would have traded for Donovan Mitchell with Jalen Suggs and a buttload of picks and had that be my three moving forward. But uh, you know, maybe Banchero's not, you know, we'll see. I just think it's crazy hard. And so a little bit of where the jazz are in this is, and I, and I'm not entirely sure what they're doing is it is so darn crazy hard that maybe you do get Colin Sexton and you do get, get Lowry marketing and you do go get whatever, whether a Baji and, and you actually start that way with a bunch of other people's picks along the way. And you build that way out. I don't know. We'll see. It seems more logical from what the process has said to us is that you should go all the way to the bottom to bottom five, and we're watching Houston, and we're watching Oklahoma City do it. It's not foolproof, and it's really hard. It doesn't, it doesn't always have to be that way, too. As you alluded to, one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA when the Oklahoma City Thunder traded James Harden to the Houston Rockets 10 years ago. And the, that, the Rockets never bottomed out. Uh, under old owner Leslie Alexander, the Rockets were, they remained a competitive team. They were kind of in that, that NBA limbo area where you don't want to be, but they weren't allowed to bottom out for all those years. And so the in-between era from the Tracy McGrady, Yao Ming era of Houston Rockets to what became the James Harden era of Houston Rockets, they were kind of that ragtag, scrappy, maybe they'll make the playoffs, maybe they won't, but they'll be fun to root for. And then they pounced. They had an upset. Well, they had, they had an opportunity and it wound up being the opportunity of a lifetime getting a perennial MVP for what wound up being a pretty terrible trade package. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, the one the one that's interesting is that Detroit's not here because I think Detroit's super interesting. Um, Detroit kind of fell apart in the middle of a year. Remember, Blake Griffin's knees to fall apart on him in the year. So they actually have like a tank year they didn't intend. Then they did it for two years and they get Cade Cunningham with the number one pick. We'll see how good Ivy is. We'll see how good Durant. They just added Bogdanovich. Like they're going to touch close to a playing game and they got a ton of free agent money in the offseason. We'll see if they can sign someone like they may they they might actually be the model. And I think the other one that's worth talking about on this is Cleveland might be the model. Cleveland fully tanked and they got Sexton, Garland and Mobley. They then traded out of it to end up with J Jared Allen, part of the trade. And then now they just pounced on trying to do what you're well, talking about, Jackson, I, I, going to get Donovan Mitchell. Like, I think that Detroit and Cleveland, to me, are super interesting in this conversation. Well, I think I think what the larger point is, I mean, this this is the NBA. Like, there's no league that is more star-driven and, and personnel-driven, and, and one player really does transform everything. Like, Paolo Bancaro could be, you know, you're right, David. Paolo Bancaro could be that guy, could be the guy that, you know, averages 20 points per game and, and really is the kind of director and leader of an offensive team and shoots the magic into a different stratosphere, shoots the team into another level. I mean, it, that's, that's really what it takes. You know, we, we talked, we were joking a little bit about it with Ryland about, about Shea Gildas Alexander, but there's something to that. He's good enough that he's going to win the thunder an extra four, five, you know, maybe six, seven games that Oakland, so Oklahoma city at some point doesn't want to win, but when they're ready to, they'll deploy him and they'll, they'll win those games. One player really does change everything. And, and you know, I think 
you know, you look at the teams that are perpetually at the bottom of the standings used to be Minnesota, you know, Sacramento, Orlando, you know, right. Orlando, Oklahoma city, Houston, been there for a little bit. Detroit's been there for a little bit. Those guys, those teams are just waiting for that one guy to take them to the next level. And once you find him, you rise pretty quickly. That seems to be the game for everybody in this group, as well as uh, Jeff Garcia and Locked on Spurs. You can check out his show. By the way, five days a week. They're the team. They got the zero. I was gonna say they're we'll the just team. collectively just bag on Jeff <laughs> for not back being here. They got zero pieces. Tanking so hard, he didn't show up for the pre for the pro basketball preview. All right, who's got the? Let me ask you this: Does anybody believe that anyone other than Ben Caro is the best player on any of our rosters in five years? Shea. Jay, yeah, Shea's still under contract in five years, but let's see. Jalen Green will be the best player. Jalen Green. He's he got is, superstar written all over him. He screams Bradley Beal I'm, to me. I'm still, I'm still sticking with Paolo. Bradley Beal. No, there's nothing about Jalen Green and Bradley Beal that are the same. Oh, the same like level of player to me. Well, no. like, not shooting. They both, they both play in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, yeah one that's, of them's got the sweetest shot in the world, and Jalen Green's shot is not beautiful. He shot 36%. You guys, you guys both disagreed with my Bradley Beal comparison like, in the opposite directions. <laughs> well, I mean, like, we can give me 36%. You uh, Aesthetically, fundamentally, that is not a pretty shot. He's crazy fast. He's lightning fast. He's got super explosion. He's got all sorts of things that are good. But if we're going to, like, start bragging about Jalen Green's shot, we have seriously lost our mind in the midst of this tank. We're not going to well, brag about welcome, the shot, well, but it's, it, to in it. addition to all, of, it's it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to stake my claim now, and we'll dig up the receipts five years from now when Jalen Green is competing for MVP awards and the Jazz are still tanking. Oh, it's going to be great. Wow. Wow. There you go. We will dig this up in five years. Remind us. Keep the receipts. Bookmark it wherever you can. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Roundtable for the Odyssey Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. Jalen Green shot 34%. And one more time, let's hear from the voice of NBA draft coverage, Rafael Barlow, on the missing piece for the remaining tanking teams. What's up, Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Let's talk about the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, Utah, they basically gutted their roster after trading all-stars Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert this offseason. The Jazz now have potentially 15 first-round picks between now and in 2029. Yes, you heard that correct. 15 first round picks from 2023 to 2029. And with that type of draft capital, Utah can swing for the fences for the best long-term prospect if they miss out on Victor Wimbayama or Scoot Henderson. Now Jazz fans, they appreciate elite rim protectors probably more than any other fan base. I mean, they've had the luxury of watching Mark Eaton and most recently, Rudy Gobert redirect opponent shots at the rim three to five times every night. Now, Victor Wimbayama, he's drawn comparisons to Rudy Gobert on the defensive end, but he is considerably more gifted on the offensive end of the floor. He's even drawn some comparisons to like Kevin Durant. It's crazy as that sound. He's seven foot five. He's a rim protector. And some people are saying he is a, a mashup of Rudy Gobert and Kevin Durant. I'm sure Jazz fans would love Wimbayama. And he has some comparisons to Gobert off the court. Both are from France, and they even share the same agent. Now, Scoot Henderson, who is projected to be the second pick, would be the perfect replacement for Mike Conley, who just turned 35 years old this week. But if the Jazz miss out on Wimby and Scoot, my top choice would be one or both 
of the Thompson twins. Amen and Asor Thompson are phenomenal athletes that can defend and also distribute the ball. With all of their future picks, they have the flexibility to possibly have two top 10 picks. Utah currently has three first round picks in a deep class. And if there's one front office executive that can move up to acquire another lottery pick, it's Danny Ainge who happens to be running the Utah Jazz. Utah is expected to have a long rebuilding process, similar to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who surprisingly, for some reason it seems much longer, the Thunder are only on year three of their version of the process. And we saw how the process went in Philly. But the Thunder have a cornerstone in Shea Gilgis Alexander and look to have a future all-star in Josh Giddy. Unfortunately for OKC, Chet Holmgren, who was selected second overall this past June, is out for the season with a foot injury but it may not be all that bad for Thunder fans because redshirting Chet gives him a year to get stronger and have a season been around NBA basketball under his belt before his official rookie campaign. But here's why it also helps. Because the more games they lose, it helps the Thunder in the Wimby and Scoot sweepstakes. The Thunder seem to have their big three in SGA, Giddy, and Chet and a couple other promising pieces to their rebuilding puzzle in Jalen Williams and Ushman Jang, who were just drafted in June. In my opinion, the biggest need for the Thunder right now is that center. And Oregon's Kalel Ware would be a perfect complement to their young roster. He'd also bring additional rebounding, shot blocking, and athleticism to one of the most promising teams in the NBA. Now, I think Chet is a four. That's why I have Ware as a five. I think he would be just an ideal complimentary fit. Ware has also shown flashes of being able to space the floor. It could be a good option if the Thunder failed to land the number one pick in the 2023 NBA draft. Up next, it's nothing but bet. How do you make money off of tanking teams? Matt Moore of Lockdown NBA and the Action Network will tell you how next. Continuing on the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. We're joined by Matt Moore of the Action Network for nothing but bet. We're talking about all kinds of bets surrounding the tankers, the teams at the bottom, the the be bad for Victor Wembanyama teams. Have we come up with a saying? Have we come up with like a cute like Riggin for Wiggins saying yet for like for Wembanyama yet? Whoa, for Wembanyama? When- <laughs> What sale? What sale for Wembenyama? There's yes. got to be some kind of there's got to be some kind of French word for it. Uh, well, let's start with the Orlando Magic. Twenty seven is their win total over under this year. Matt Moore, what's the bet on the Orlando Magic? Paolo Bancaro plus one eighty, rookie of the year. Go ahead, easy, look. easy. I mean, look, this is boring, and nobody wants to bet it, right? Who wants to bet the favorite for rookie <laughs> of the year? Overwhelming favorite. The overwhelming favorite. I've seen what I need from him. He showed up at Summer League, and he looked huge. Like, he yeah. looked like a tank. That matters a lot because that's going to help with your endurance. It's going to help with your consistency. And we've seen it in preseason, too. They're using him as a primary initiator on ball. The guys that went Rookie of the Year, they're almost always the leaders in points, rebounds, and assists. Bancaro is very likely to be the PRA that's combined leader amongst rookies. He's going to play a ton of minutes. He's going to have the ball in his hands, especially with Markel Fultz out. I think Bancaro is still at plus 180. Uh, this was 250, 400 when it first came out. There's better value early in the summer. Mm. But if you're getting into the market now, plus 180, I still think this is good to plus 125. I think any plus number you're getting, 
I still think there's value on Bancaro with the option. If somebody pops out early in the season, you can start hedging at longer numbers. The rookie of the year markets are often slow to catch up. Um, real quick on the magic, love the over. It was a max bet before the Markel Fultz injury. He should be back in pretty short time. Uh, I actually really like this team. They were actually 18th in defensive rating last year, which most people are like, what? Uh, but yeah. yeah, and teams that were bottom five in offensive rating tend to go over the following season in the past 10 years at about a 58% clip. Those teams are the ones that make the leap. It's the bad defensive teams that can't get out of the muck. The defense was surprisingly decent. I'm high on Wendell Carr Jr. I'm very high on Franz Wagner after his Euro basket. Showed that he's actually improved in a lot of key areas. He was great last season. The depth isn't good. They're still going to be bad, but a low number. Still like the value on the over on the Magic combined with Pal Bancaro to win Rookie of the Year. And no one knows where we stand on Jonathan Isaac at this point. I mean, nope. he knows he knows where, but nobody else knows. The Utah Jazz, 24 and a half is their over-under. They have dudes. Like, they have players. David Locke on this program came on and just tried to convince all of us that they're going to be a play-in team this year. Um, that would not be a 24-win team, Matt Moore. What are, the, what are the Utah Jazz and what's the best bet for them? Stay away. Um, if you tell me, if you can tell me, if somebody came from the future and was just like, I won't tell you nothing else, but that the Utah Jazz will have the same roster in April, I'd be like, that's what you came back in time to tell me. <laughs> of all things you could share with me, that's what you told me. It's David, um, it's David Locke in a wizard's robe. Just <laughs> like, oh uh, what an image. So if you told me that, I'd be like, all right, let's bet the over. Let's hammer the over. Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, Lori Markinen. Jared Vanderbilt. I like I like some of their young dudes. Udo guys Buki. Like that's a guy no one knows. Really liked his minutes last year. Will Hardy's very well respected, and these new coaches in low expectation spots are that's a buy that's a buy low opportunity. Every indication from everybody is like they're definitely going to pivot, and they're definitely going to absolutely swing towards the draft. And if that's the case, you can't bet the under here because if you're like, they'll do whatever it takes. What it again, I'll just stress to you in here's a good example in Popovich's first season with San Antonio 97, try and get Duncan. They still won 20 games. Go back and look at that roster and who he was playing (laughs) and they still won 20 games. It's hard. The league wasn't as deep then as it is now. So there's better teams. But I do think um, you have to be a little bit concerned about what your margin is there. If the Jazz win 24 games, are they the three spot in the lottery and still have the same odds for number one? It's possible. So for me, I've done the research, at least in the last 10 years, these numbers below 24 don't have as much of a value on the under as you think. Like my assumption going in was, oh, this has got to be like a very good under spot because the bad teams know they're bad. And we'll still tank. And the reality is that's just not, it's pretty even. There's no value to the over or the under. I lean slight over, but I can't bet it because I can't trust the Jazz not to hold a fire sale. <laughs> it's coming at some point. We just don't know when it is. It's probably the trade deadline. The Houston Rockets over under is 23 and a half. You just talked about how these really low win totals don't necessarily have the values. There's their value somewhere else for the Rockets. I have a long history with Rockets fans, so <laughs> I can only really take the over here, Nick. Um, so Jaylen I'll tell you this, a star. It, this number opened way higher. This, uh, this number opened like 27 and a half at some spots, and I was late to it, but my colleagues definitely bet the under, and I think that was a good bet. At this number, 
Um, I, I, I do lean over. I did a full tape review on the Rockets because they're one of those teams that's hard to keep track of when they start, you know, really positioning for the draft late in the year. So I did a whole deep dive. Better than I thought. You know, Kevin Porter Jr., who, I, who I'm not necessarily a big fan of, a little bit more creation, tremendous spot-up shooter, 99th percentile mm-hmm. on pure spot-up catch-and-shoot. He is a lethal catch-and-shoot guy. Just don't let him dribble. Um, Jalen Green. They're, wait, they're point guard? You don't, you don't, don't mm-hmm. let point guard mm-hmm. Yeah. Jalen Green, surprisingly good playmaker. Like, he's got some real chops there. Um, a weird one, Alperin Shingoon. I know this sounds insane, Nick. I know it does. If you play switch scheme with him and put him on guards, he'll have 0.88 points per possession on a really decent number of attempts. Wow. When, when he plays drop, he's awful because he's a twig and people slam into him and he goes flying. But if you put him in up coverage and you let him use his hands and quickness, surprisingly really good. Jay Sean Tate, the numbers with him and Shangun together defensively, little bit promising. Jabari Smith, look, I thought he needed better guards, but if Jalen Green makes a little bit of a leap, maybe that combination works. I think there's a little bit of value to the over. Okay. My buy point would be if this guy ain't lower, but it won't because the other teams are, are at this range. They're looking for the draft. I can't, I can't buy it here. If this guy's a 26 and a half, and there's like a late rush of money to get us to 23 wins up, which is not going to happen. Then I'd still be like, yeah, probably an under a soft underplay, but at 23 and a half, I do think this is an overplay. Um, if you want to take an alternate, Bet him to make the play-in tournament. You can find that at various spots. I think that there's probably some value there. Um, and that may sound crazy. Here's the X factor. Steven Silas needs to win. Because if he does not, there's a very good chance he will not have this same job. So I think they're motivated to try and win now. The chemistry seems good. The vibes seem good. I think there's a lean to the over. I'm just not excited to bet it. A team that is not necessarily motivated to win at this point. The Oklahoma City Thunder, same over-under, 23-and-a-half. Chet Holmgren will not play this year. SGA will play a certain number of games this year, but what's the play for the Oklahoma City Thunder? Before the Chet injury, it was probably going to be an over. The number was high, but it was still probably going to be an over because if you watch this team night to night, even, and this sounds crazy because they lost by 70 last year, but (laughs) if you watch this team night to night, you're just like, oh, this team knows how to, like, if you watch certain teams, like go watch the bottom three teams in the lottery last year and then watch the Thunder, right? Like the other the other two teams. If you watch the Thunder, you're like, oh, the Thunder know what they're doing. They're tough like, out, yeah. They're, they're well coached. They're disciplined. They buy, it's a top-down thing in Oklahoma City. They instill professionalism. They're like, we're going to lose, but we're going to lose professionally. <laughs> And what's more professionally losing than losing by 70? Um, <laughs> just once. But, it was just once, though. Yeah, it was just once. <laughs> if you want my, uh, uh, the value here, uh, this uh, talk about a long shot. Okay, again, small play. We're talking about like a half unit play for me. <laughs> half unit play for me on Jalen Williams, rookie of the year. Which one? The kid from Santa Clara. Yeah. A-A-L-E-N. 40 to 1. Okay. Um, looks phenomenal. Looks like a beast. Uh, he was the guy they were, honestly, they knew they were getting Chet. They were most, the Thunder were most excited when Jalen Williams was still there on draft night. Santa Clara mm. Jalen. Um, getting lots of run, going to get lots of minutes. Got some help. Like, there's dudes on the roster. Josh Giddy's pretty good. Shea can come back. I genuinely think that there's a little bit of value on Jalen Williams to put up numbers and maybe make a run at Rookie of the Year as a long shot option if you're looking for it. Um, wow. the The total... 
I think you got to stay away. Um, I don't know that the Thunder are as motivated to position for the draft. If they get to the last 20 games and they're at 18, then sure, they're going to make sure they get the number one pick or the number one spot in the lottery, rather. Um, but with the odds being flattened and they're still so high on Chet, like Chet was their guy from November of last year through the draft. That was their wow. guy. And wow. I was wrong on that, by the way. I legitimately bet against that outcome and then found out later. They're like, oh, yeah, we love Chet since November. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, I think that there's probably not a lot of value betting the over or under here. If they're within range, they're gonna. They, what's better than Chet Holmgren? Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama. Like that's the answer of what's better. Um, but I do think that Shea Gillis Alexander, Josh Giddy, and the youngsters is good enough to get them to 25 wins if they're not actively pursuing positioning so i can't get to any value here beyond taking a long shot on Jalen williams rookie of the year speaking of no value the san antonio spurs may not have oh. a lot of a lot of watchability value this year for a lot of people but 22 and a half they're the very bottom on this list the lowest win total over under is there any value in the under on the lowest over under on the whole list when greg popovich comes out of media day and says <laughs> leans into the microphone and says no one should go to Vegas and bet on this team to win a championship. Like, this is what I love. The Spurs are not subtle. Like, no. there is nothing subtle about San Antonio. San Antonio's like, oh, yeah, we're so excited about the young guy. Yeah, we really think we can make some noise this year. They're like, nope. I will also say, like, last year, it was really surprising to me. They were There was a lot of talk that their front office and their organization was ready to pivot towards draft positioning. The players came and said, we want to try and make the play in like, this is important to us. We actually want to compete for the playoffs. And they're like, okay. They respected the players wishes and, and played it out and made the play in. And then they traded everyone. They traded them. <laughs> and they traded everyone, which were like, you guys could go pursue those dreams on other teams. Um, <laughs> you know, look, there's a lot of belief around the league that Yaka Pertle is probably gonna get moved um, by before, like before the deadline that may be at the deadline, but before the deadline, there's a lot of confidence, uh, especially with centers and how it's just scarce to try and find a, a quality center, especially a backup one in the NBA. So Pearl can get moved. Um, I actually like Trey Jones a lot. I looked up like his numbers in pick and roll are exceptional. His floater is one of the best in the league, which I was not expecting to find anything mm. in the in the Spurs to be among the best <laughs> in the league at anything. Uh, Devin Vassell, a lot, lot of upside there. Keldon Johnson. Okay. If you're just like, I don't believe it, I think Popovich is going to gamify this team and they're going to find a way to get to like 35 wins and make the play-in tournament. Okay, then Keldon Johnson is a long shot, most improved candidate, a little bit of value. I, I sprinkled on it. I don't honestly believe we're going to get there because honestly, it usually goes to guys like John Morant a la Zion Williamson this year. Like Those are the guys that are winning it recently, but Keldon Johnson's numbers are superb. Like, He's really good, and he's going to be a breakout star on San Antonio. This team isn't as bereft of talent as I thought it was. That does not mean it's not bereft of talent. <laughs> it is. They are in the desert for sure on, on purpose. And I don't know what links Popovich will go to find that, but this is also a team that has a well-established G League team that I used to cover in person. That was my first beat was covering the Spurs G League team. They have wow. lots of guys they can find to help them fill minutes and lose games. So. um if you want to bet the under, I can't blame you. I don't want to get involved because I don't know what number they need to get to to secure a top three pick. But if you want to bet a little bit on the under, it's probably under or nothing on San Antonio.
That is Olympic gold medalist to you, Keldon Johnson, yep. <laughs> by the way, for, for most improved. You can find Matt more on the Action Network as well as on Locked on NBA and Locked on Nuggets. Matt, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't forget, this is a six-episode series, so we may be done here, but if you missed the rest of the special, then go back and listen to those if this was your first listen. Once again, I'm Nick Engstead, and until next time, thank you to all of our friends at Odyssey and to you for listening and watching. Keep up with all of our collaborations by subscribing to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 feed, which will rotate for the most comprehensive specials available across multiple sports, NFL, college, MLB, and more, bringing you previews, mock drafts, and more with the in-depth analysis only Odyssey and Lockdown can bring. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast provider to make sure you don't miss an episode.